If you can't turn yourself into your customer, you probably shouldn't be in the ad writing business at all. Leo Burnett. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the written word. Whether it is sales copy or a book, the right words can help you grow and scale your business. Welcome to the Stitch for Success podcast, where we are teaching business and life lessons that will help you launch, grow, or scale your creative business. I am Monica Allen, and I'm a wife, mom, daughter, entrepreneur, author, friend, lifelong learner, and host of this podcast. For over eight years, I was stuck in corporate and dreamt of escaping. Creating a side hustle with just $700 and having taken the leap over 15 years ago, we have since grown multiple six-figure and seven-figure brands. Being an entrepreneur for over 18 years has afforded me many successes and a few failures. I want to share those with you so you can grow and be successful in your business. I am a teacher at heart, and though I'm not particularly looking to be in front of a classroom, I do think there are times that I want to go a little old school and go over a good old definition. Today, we're going to talk about copywriting. So what is it and what does it have to do with marketing? As you may recall on the last episode, we talked about marketing and branding your business products and services. Well, this week, we're going to dig deeper and discuss exactly how you go about doing that using the written word. So first, let's start by defining copywriting. Copywriting is the act or occupation of writing text for the purpose of advertising or other forms of marketing. The product, called copy or sales copy, is written content that aims to increase brand awareness and ultimately persuade a person or group to take a particular action. So that's truly an old school definition of copywriting. But what we're trying to figure out here today is what are the steps you need to take to get those ideal customers to open that email or click that buy now button? Today, I'm sharing with you my interview with a longtime copywriter, editor, and writing coach, Stephanie Mojica. She has worked with a wide variety of businesses, educational institutions, coaches, authors, realtors, and attorneys in multiple capacities. Some of her past and present clients include Harvard University, Lockheed Martin, CBS, NBC, and Verizon. Stephanie has also coached dozens of authors through the book writing process. I hope you learn a lot from my interview with Stephanie. Here we go. Today I have with me Stephanie Mojica of Get Their Attention Now with me. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you having me today, Monica. Well, I appreciate your time and I really do appreciate you being here. Stephanie, we're just going to jump right in. What made you start your business, get their attention now? Well, it's a bit of a long story. I've always been in some sort of business for myself, but I formalized it as get their attention now about a year and a half ago because I wanted to be more of a business owner than a freelancer solopreneur, if that makes sense. And I joined a pretty significant business coaching program. And one of the things was like, You've got to get your branding, your logo. Don't use stephaniemohica.com because nobody's going to know to look for Stephanie Mojica and they're not going to know what Stephanie Mojica means. So that's pretty much how it got started. I had a few ideas, ran it by a few folks that are making six, seven figures. And I just thought get their attention now with the subtitle, the marketing message expert would just be a great way to explain some of the many things I do. 
Very good. I like the name. It it definitely gets your attention. It kind of tells exactly what you do, but without getting into the details initially. I know that you are doing copywriting and editing and all of this for your clients, but can you tell the Stitch for Success audience exactly what is copywriting? Can you give us a little definition? Sure. As I explained in my complimentary ebook, Three Little Known Secrets to Create Words That Sell, copywriting is really about words that sell. It's not just slapping information on a page and hoping that people understand what you're talking about. Believe me, I was a journalist for 17 years, so it can be a transition. I think what differentiates copywriting from, say, content writing or other forms of writing is the goal to sell. But the goal, in my opinion and experience, should not be to sell in a sleazy, shaming, salesy, you're going to die if you don't get this way. I hate that. One of my mentors, Alex Catoni, she's my copyright mentor, says that our mission is to not have this douchey sales copy. (laughs) I think that's true. So I think copyright, Mm -hmm. it's about educating your audience, getting them to know, like, and trust you. And depending on whether it's a sales page or something else, get them to click that buy now, order now button. So that's just a short version of what I believe copywriting is. I like what you said about it not being slimy, because when I run across copy like that, I'm immediately turned off. And I don't trust the person or whatever's being sold to me. I don't trust it. That to me is so important for it not to be slimy. So I know that you mentioned your solopreneur, but let's talk about your business for a little bit. And then we'll, we'll circle back to kind of the importance of good copywriting and editing for, for other people. But what do you find as a business owner yourself now, a year and a half into it, What are you finding to be your biggest challenges as an entrepreneur? Delegating things, especially since my brand is so much about words and writing and editing and coaching people through either copywriting or writing their books. It is very hard for me to delegate. I am terrified that somebody will misspell something in an email that goes out on my behalf or post something on social media that's misspelled. I think it makes it a little harder for me to delegate some things about my business because that's going to destroy me in the eyes of my potential clients and existing clients. It's still an ongoing challenge. I do obviously have virtual assistants. They're working more with me on the tech end of things. I still have a lot of landing pages, sales pages, opt-in pages of my own that I need to put up on my website. But I just think realizing that there's so much that goes into marketing and having your branding and your web presence and then the day in day out emails i mean especially recently because i'm on clubhouse which is where we met i'm getting inundated with requests and emails and sometimes i feel like i spend half the day responding to emails so i'm trying to find a balance something's gonna have to give I'm just not sure what is because I've tried a couple people as far as posting social media and things like that. Obviously, I approve it before they post it. Right. And even though I've lovingly explained the importance of checking and proofreading, I have not found anyone who would post or respond to an email the way I would. And it's it's challenging. Yeah, that can definitely be tough. I mean, as a 
as an entrepreneur myself for several years, I do find that delegating is very difficult, can be very difficult. And you're in an especially difficult position because people are posting on your behalf for your clients, I assume, is what you're trying to delegate and outsource to. That can be really hard because you don't want them to put something up that isn't your words. But if you always find that delegating is about someone doing about at least 80% or 85% the way you would do it, because they're never going to do it 100% the way you do it. And it's like, how do you deal with that? Now, errors are one thing, but if it's coming into like, they don't say it the way that I would say it, then you have to kind of look and say, is it that important? Do I have to change it? Anyway, I have just found that that was my biggest issue is kind of letting go a little bit and saying, okay, they didn't do it 100% the way that I would, but right. it was good enough. Right. Anyway, so that is a trick though. And especially right. when it comes to editing, because you want it to be right. I mean, that's your name on the line, of course. Right, exactly. So that's really important. Now that you're in business for yourself, it's interesting to me because not only are you doing these things for your business, but you're also doing them for your clients. Yes. So you're making sure your copy is right for you, but also for your clients. How are you juggling that? How are you balancing that out? It can be very difficult. Like I said, it's like the copywriting, especially for the clients, that's pretty much second nature to me. I mean, I do a branding process and like I mentioned, the email, it's uh, I'm starting to take on more coaching and editing instead of writing clients just because it's difficult because I have to do, I do all my own copywriting for myself. I do all my own blogging. I write the social media posts right now and am having a virtual assistant post them in buffer, but I don't know if there's a perfect answer to that. It, it can be very taxing because writing, I'm sure this is very labor intensive. It really burns the brain pretty quickly, even with all my experience, because like I said, I was a newspaper reporter for 17 years. But while I was a newspaper reporter, I was just writing the assignments they were giving me. I wasn't having to go do all this marketing copy and things like that. It's a challenge. And eventually, I probably will need to outsource more of my marketing copy and just go through and edit it. But Right. right now, I'm just trying to get some of the tech and admin pieces together a little more. Yeah, I gotcha. For those of us who are business owners who need to capture the attention of our customers or potential customers, tell us why good copywriting is so important. I think it's important because you need to be able to demonstrate that you know the person reading it has a problem, that you know how to solve that problem. I guess this is a formula I'm giving. You are the person to solve that problem. So you have to put some credibility in there. And then if it's a higher end investment, why that investment is worth it. I will say that when it comes to quoting copywriting, and I call them investments, but most people call them prices, a lot of people get sticker shock because good copywriting is going to cost money. But I would just like to say that when someone invests, say, in a sales page, a long sales page for, say, a group coaching program, if they get just one or two sales, they have more than recouped their investment. And I think people don't understand that. Sometimes people will say, well, how many hours does that take you? And that's, I really 
that's the difference between me now versus then because I really don't like quoting hourly. I will rarely do it. Like there's a woman on Clubhouse that really just needs a one-time consultation. If she's not a fit for a program, she has one specific personal problem that she needs me to help her write a letter for. So for something like that, the hour Zoom meeting is 150. Well, I do think that that's a valid point though, as far as not quoting hourly. And I've actually talked to several creative people about that in the past, because for people to ask you, well, how long is it going to take you? Well, it's going to take you a lot less time than it would take me. So you need to base it on how long it would technically probably take me to do it versus you. You may be able to do it in five minutes, but you're not going to charge a prorated five minutes. That wouldn't be right for you. But no, that's really important to know because I aim to help small business owners who are early stage entrepreneurs. And so I never really thought a lot about copywriting before until I think I actually heard you in a clubhouse room and I thought, wow, okay, that's really important to make sure that things are written neatly and that they are sticking with this formula of of solving the person's problem, knowing the problem, solving the problem, and that you're the right person to solve the problem. I think that's the key. The biggest thing is being able to let people know that you're the right person to solve the problem. So my next question to you, Stephanie, is what is one step we should take today as a new business owner or early stage business owner to get the attention of our customers or clients right now? What should we do? One step is to be very clear about who your ideal customer or client is. I can't tell you how many folks who have been in business for many years, so please don't shame yourselves. When I ask them, well, who's your ideal client? Or who's your ideal customer? Well, anybody. Or, well, they'll say something like business owners. Well, there's tons of business owners. Like you specifically said, early stage business owners, which I really liked. And maybe I need to refine my own message a little better. But I just think really being clear on who your ideal client or customer is, that's the first step. May I go into the second step? You can. Yes, I would love that. Once you have your ideal customer or client determined, and don't worry, you can change this later if you need to. I sure have. (laughs) What you need to do is really put yourself in their shoes. And people, I think, also skimp on this step. It's like, what's that person's wake up in the morning problem? Especially if you're asking for higher end investments, what is like, keeping them up at night? What are they worrying about when they wake up in the morning? And how can you solve that? So let me ask you, do you find that you work mostly with service providers or do you have some product providers as well that you're working with? Primarily service providers. I have and do work for people who have products, but primarily service providers. That's just my niche, especially to coaches, consultants, attorneys sometimes realtors. Gotcha. So when we started our first business, we solved a problem that we had. It was very easy to determine our avatar or our ideal customer because we were that customer. So a lot of times I suggest to people, well, what problem do you have? Because sometimes we try to create a problem or we try to say, oh, well, there's this issue. Let me go fix it. But is there really a problem there? So you really have to hone in on knowing 
is this truly a problem? And if it's something that you have a problem with, there may be others. So you kind of have to do your research and see, is there truly a problem out there that I can solve with my service or my product? And, and so we have a product that we started out with. Well, I guess it's kind of a product and service because we do custom embroidery, but that solved a problem that we had and thousands of other people had as well. So that's why we've been doing that now for almost 20 years, which is crazy. Awesome. But I, like I said before, I love the get their attention now. I love the name of that. It's grabbing. It grabs me anyway. And so what, if anything, is there something else you think, especially for early stage entrepreneurs, they should know about copywriting or their marketing message when they're going out to their clients or online, wherever they may be. Is there anything else they should know about that? The first thing I would say is try not to overthink it. I think it's better, especially when you're posting on social media, et cetera, to just start being in people's faces, so to speak. It's important to consistently show up on social media. My coach recommends five or more times a week when you're in the early stage of your business, 15 when you're in the mid, late stage of your business. I'm doing probably about 10 just because of time. So I think consistently show up is important because a lot of people get paralyzed and they want to be perfect. So they don't ever do anything. And then they wonder why they're not getting clients. The next thing I would recommend is to, again, get really clear on your ideal client and try to use the words they're using. Don't use a lot of jargon. We're talking about this in a clubhouse room this morning. Don't talk like, you would talk. Just try to come up with the words that your ideal client would use. My next advice is don't talk about all the features. And again, this is mentioned in my ebook. This book has 78 pages and 15 worksheets and 30 illustrations. I'm just speaking off the top of my head. People aren't interested in that. What is this book going to solve? How is it going to help the reader? And you can use that with any product or service. Yes, you're going to need to say at some point, there's three 45-minute coaching calls a month. There's your services. There's X, Y, Z. But don't focus on that. And certainly don't put it like before you explain all the great things that this is going to do for the reader, your client. Right. And a good example of that is Apple back in the, I think it was like in the eighties when they did the two page ad and it was all the features of the new Macintosh computer. I don't even remember which one it was. And then years later that computer bombed. And then years later they came out with the iPod initially. And it was like a thousand songs in your pocket. It was very simple. It was feel good. It was how it made you feel what problem it solved, but very simply put. And everybody was like, oh, I have to have one of those. So exactly. I think, yeah, yeah, I remember that too. I think I wasn't really interested in Apple until they started marketing the iPod. Yes, I agree. That was my first Apple product was an iPod. So put very simply and and the computers that we had at school back then were Apple, but they were horrible. They They didn't work very well. Like bright green on black. And and Apple is more expensive. So yes. And that's fine. It shows that you can charge more money for your product, but you better darn well explain in a simple (laughs) way 
what it's going to do for that person's life. Exactly. It could be be entertaining them. It doesn't have to solve some dramatic life or business crisis. I mean, Netflix, Apple, all those types of products. But entertainment is important. That's a problem. We can't just work all the times. Yeah. But you got to like entertain them and not just say, well, for $9.99 a month, (laughs) you'll get access to 60. Yeah. Say that later. Yeah, exactly. Fine print, lower part. You got to make people feel good. That's one of the things that in our current, our main business is that our product makes you feel good. Like when you wear it, you love it. You're showing it off. It tells your story. It's all about you. It is all 100% about you. And that is what we love about it. It's so much fun to do for people. So I know that you're living in South America right now. Yes, and I am. you are living a digital nomad life in Suriname. Can you just talk to us a little bit about what your day is like? What are you doing in South America? Well, because of the pandemic, my days aren't as interesting as they used to be. I used to be able to take more time to go out. You know, there's various hotel pools here, etc. Right now, I'm an hour ahead of Eastern time, so I generally get up in the morning, play some words with friends, <laughs> have breakfast, have my caffeine, got to have my caffeine, check emails, start depending on the day, start serving my clients. My coach, like I mentioned, she has this awesome, she calls it a breakthrough planner. And so I literally can plan my days and weeks and quarters using it to like really keep track of it. I think during the pandemic, I've definitely given into that workaholic side of me again, but it's pretty interesting. I mean, I have several friends. I mean, I eat all sorts of different foods that people probably haven't ever heard of. There's languages a lot of folks don't know that are just exclusive to Suriname and the small diaspora that's in the Netherlands. And yeah, it's it's been great. I've been doing the digital nomad thing for a couple of years and I just love it. I went digital before the pandemic. For what I do, I can really work for people from anywhere in the world. Although most of my clients are from the United States, a Mm -hmm. few from Canada, Europe, and Australia. But it's just great. And now that everybody's gotten used to being on Zoom, (laughs) yeah, it's even easier. I know another thing that you do is you help extract books out of people. You say it so much more. You say it so much better than (laughs) I do. How does that process work? What does that look like for a client of yours? as well as for you and your business? Usually a client comes to me and I've been doing this for years, especially recently. And he or she wants to write a book or may have written a little book, but they're stuck. They don't understand the mechanics of writing. Like they don't know if they should write the beginning first or the end first or what to do. They don't know how many words it should be. They just don't know what to write about. Like they have an idea but they're not Mm -hmm. sure what to do. And then there's other folks who have taken writing classes, et cetera, but they are procrastinating and they're getting stuck. So what I do is, especially for the person who just has an idea, and we just went through this in my mini workshop that I did at the time of this recording about five days ago. And I literally had everybody, we did a bunch of exercises in an hour and a half where together had people answer questions like, why do you want to write a book? What do you want to best Mm. be known for in the world? 
and we had 13 people there. And I was immediately getting video testimonials because people like literally had a great idea what to write about. So I'm definitely going to give the recordings from that to my next clients. But before I had that, I had a one-on-one client come to me about four months ago. She's a weight loss coach. She's a survivor of domestic violence. Her daughter committed suicide after being sexually abused and just a really tough life, but also a victorious life. And she wanted to write a book. She didn't know what to say. She was a little concerned about what she could say about some of the issues. And she had like a bunch of book ideas in her head. And she had two purposes for writing this book. One, she just really wanted to write a book. Two, she understood as a coach and a speaker, a great way to stand out is to be the author of something. And before making the investment with me, she told me that she was doing it because she was sick of going to speak and see an author of in every other speaker's bio, but her own. So during our first session, we basically immediately decided on a title. We started deciding to format the book. She actually wound up speaking most of her stories. Okay. Because we decided, I don't know if you've seen like those little daily readers, like the ones like Melody Beatty and other people have, where you can read like one page a day. Mm-hmm. I love we those. Des- yeah, we decided, well, we made it 101. Because first we could do 365 and then it felt too overwhelming for her. So we did 101 because that's still a good length for a book. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, literally held her hand through the process, kept her accountable. I have other clients that were writing novels or memoirs and needed more formal writing exercises. So I did that. Just basically on their sounding board, I help them when they get discouraged. I give them all the expertise I can give. I can hook them up, especially for those who are self-publishing with a reasonably priced graphic designer who does an awesome job. If they want me to edit it, I'll edit it. Otherwise, I have some other editors, proofreaders, and literally I can just get them from the idea to the self-publication. So I had a couple more questions for you, Stephanie. Okay. Just about your business. So what have you learned so far in a year and a half? I know that the biggest challenge is delegating, but what is something that you have learned being kind of an early stage entrepreneur? You've been a year and a half. What's one thing that you learned that may have surprised you? Well, what has surprised me is that I can charge a lot more than I thought I could. There are going to be people who will say no. But there were always people who said no. Like I said, I've been in my industries for 24 years. And even when I was trying to like do things for $10, $12, $15 an hour on the side while a newspaper reporter, there were people who thought that was too much money. So I think charging more has been important because I have a lot more expenses now. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people don't realize that. Like, If I charge somebody $1,000 for something, I've got to pay taxes. I have contractors to pay. I have various services like Zoom, ConvertKit. I'm about to get Kajabi to pay. I think sometimes, especially creative types, folks don't understand that. They think, oh, this person's just trying to get as much money out of me as possible. And it's not about that. 
also I, I, I see this on Facebook a lot. When somebody pays for an artist creatives project, you're also you're not just paying for that little piece of art or writing or whatever. You're paying for expertise. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And there are costs that go along with everything. I mean, you just named what three to four different services that you're paying for every month. And well, not to mention more. if you, <laughs> yeah, and then there's more. If you start counting, okay, just God forbid you have to print out something just so you can kind of take a closer look at it. Or, I mean, ink and paper right. aren't free. Nothing in life is free. So you have to really count all of those things into your expenses and make sure that you're charging the right price for things. I had a customer right. called last week and she wanted to get some socks embroidered. And I thought, there's no way you can afford it. I mean, this pair of socks is going to have to cost a whole lot of money right? because we're not going to cut our costs. We're not going to cut our pricing because you need to make your margins. Right. We're going to charge our normal price to put a name on a pair of socks. And so when I told her the pricing, she's like, well, is there any way you can work with me? And I'm like, no, because I have to pay the team member who's going to embroider this sock and they're not working for a dollar an hour. These people are making pretty good money. It was just very interesting because the thought process of cost hadn't really occurred to her at the time. It was just more about, well, this is what I want to sell it for. And it's like, you can't determine what you want to sell something for until you know the true cost of that. And the same occurs in a service business. There's hard costs to even a service business. And so you have to take that into account when you're building out your your cost, your your pricing. That's a very good point. Plus, I mean, there's so many things that you have to do that aren't even billable hours. All the marketing, things like networking, speaking, podcasting, clubhouse, whatever. There's a lot of things that go into running a business, especially a service-based one. And like you said, when do I sleep? I think I sometimes work 50, 60 hours a week, but maybe half of that is serving the client. Right. Yeah, but you've got to... You've got to equate that to some dollar amount, that time that you are speaking on Clubhouse where you are marketing. There is a cost attached to that, even though it may not be as concrete as, well, this pencil cost me 10 cents. Exactly. But those are definitely things to take in and keep in mind. Stephanie, I so appreciate you. Can you tell me again what's the name of your complimentary ebook? Because I feel like I need to go download that. It's called Three Little Known Secrets to Create Words That Sell. It's at gettheirattentionnow.com forward slash ebook. Gettheirattentionnow.com forward slash ebook. And yes, a few business owners recently have told me it was very helpful. It's pretty short and it just gives you three tips you can use right away if you never hire a copywriter. So I think it'll benefit you and other folks who are listening. That's fantastic. I'm definitely going to go and download that. And I'll also include the information for it in the show notes so other people can go download it. I love the fact that it's words that that sell. And that's what's really important. We're all out here selling something and we want everyone to be successful in what they are selling. So Stephanie, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it today. Thank you. I appreciate it too.
This podcast episode is brought to you by Zeus's Closet. We like to say we're like a tattoo shop for your clothes. I have recently gotten several inquiries from solopreneurs asking me about getting company branded gear. So we have created a solopreneur package. By using the promo code STITCHED, you can save 15% on this package that includes three polo shirts, two button downs, and free setup for your business logo. Simply check out the link in the show notes. And again, the promo code is STITCHED. I want to thank Stephanie so much for being a part of the Stitched for Success podcast. And some of the takeaways that I heard from Stephanie when it comes to writing copy for marketing your brand or a specific product or service is you want to, one, use the words that your client or customers would use and understand. Two, drop the jargon. We are all in specific industries, but if there are acronyms or things that your client may not understand, drop that and just speak clearly and in layman terms to them. And lastly, don't talk about all of the features. You want to get to your customer or client's pain points. You want to get to their feelings and the emotions that their product or that your product and service will solve for them. So those are the takeaways that I got from Stephanie and I hope you can implement those in your copy for your emails and your marketing pieces going forward. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so grateful that you took the time to listen to the podcast. On our next episode, we're going to talk about TikTok. I'm very excited about this because I have started posting TikTok videos about two months ago, actually after interviewing my guest for the next episode. So you don't want to miss it. You want to use TikTok if that is where your customers are. And my guest next week will tell you all about it and all about the best ways to use it for your business and for your branding. I would love it if you give me feedback on the podcast. If there's something you would like to learn or like to know, please feel free to reach out to me. I would love that. You can follow me on Instagram or direct message me on Instagram at Stitched for Success. You can also join the Stitch for Success Facebook group. As I mentioned before, I'm also on Clubhouse. We have a recurring room on social media on Thursday mornings at 10 o'clock Eastern. And if you're not on Clubhouse, I can send you an invite if you just direct message me on Instagram. If you are already subscribed to the podcast, thank you so very much for doing so. It really does help the podcast grow when you actually subscribe. And I would love it if you would actually rate the podcast and tell a friend or family member about the podcast, especially for my early stage business owners. Our goal is to help you grow and scale your business. The more you know, the better your business will be for the long term. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a great one.